Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. Another way of saying it is that it got up its own ass. <laughs> right, it did. It did. Just, just like San Francisco did it in South Park. I think it's interesting when you think about like favorite things. I mean, for for example, you could find like interesting things about people who are lo- who are say internet savvy, like uh, Alison Brie or Olivia Wilde, who are like slow, know surprising amounts about the internet, or like Emma Stone, for example, if she talks about don't turn me into a gift guy's wake. And then mm-hmm. they turn that into one. Uh, <laughs> That's but, awesome. Or someone like Mila Kunis, who's used to be on World of Warcraft, which is pretty dirty. Mm-hmm. Or even like a pretentious film nerd person like Natalie Portman. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, that's what it is. But if we're talking about me, it's a little bit different. Like, because I think one of the earlier points for me is someone like Margaret Weiss, who wrote a lot of those Dragonlance. Oh, good choice. And good choice. She was an influential fantasy author, and not like crappy, crappy fantasy, like, you know, no offense, but all those vampire stuff. Well, you'd have to mention uh, Mercedes Lackey also. I feel like Margaret Weiss and Mercedes Lackey kind of go hand in hand. But I think uh, Mercedes Lackey's built on would you put Ur- Ursula K. Le Guin there at all? Well, she's like even more classic. She is. She she came before either of them, and she's better than either of them also. <laughs> yeah. You say that, but I found her prose to be kind of overly intrusive. Well, it's it's more mature. I, I would say it's more mature in, uh, by by and large than Margaret Weiss, but you can say Margaret Weiss is, is better. I, I could see both arguments. But also, you were talking, it was interesting you were talking about some of the other aspects of things. Like, I was thinking about, um, if you ever saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. Someone who I really liked from there were the two female leads. Yeah, that's true. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, and they yeah, they, they they were kind of carried the movie. I mean, they, they, they definitely, in a large part, way, carried the movie. Well, I think I think... That was part of the point, is that they were the ones that everything was moving around. So right. Zhang the sort of young ingenue, and Michelle Yao, who, of course, was also the James Bond version that wasn't insulting their viewers' intelligence. Like, uh, Christmas Jones, the nuclear physicist. <laughs> I heard Christmas only comes three times a year. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That was um uh, what's her name? That's right. Come on. Oh, okay. Come you're gonna, on. you're making me you're going to make me come up with the name now. Mary um, Charlie she Jean. was she was in the movie with Pierce Brosnan. That's uh, right. Uh, what's her name? Uh I can't I can't remember it, which is a shame because I loved her in that role. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, not for her acting. Denise? Denise Richards. There we are. Of course, Denise Richards. Very good. Oh. Of course, the one with Michelle Yeoh was also the one with Terry Hatcher. I forgot Terry Hatcher was in a Bond movie. And that was actually is actually going to be my next one. The classic 
because Lois Lane in general is actually kind of a very interesting character. And I think her portrayal has been a little yeah. all over the place. But I really liked her in the you know that one we just talked about, Lois and Clark's New Adventures of Superman. What? I liked her a lot in the animated series as well. I didn't care for her. She was she was the animated series. Oh, I thought you were saying Superman. Terry Hatcher. I th- I, th- I I thought you were saying Terry Hatcher was in the uh, animated no. series. Uh, the voice actress was Dana Delaney, but it doesn't really matter because I thought that it was done very well. Yeah. And well, before I... I finish, I think it's also good to point out some of the interesting, like female comedians out there. Okay. You know, like. Amy Schumer, for example, or Sarah Silverman, Chelsea yeah. Flutie, those types of people. Even uh-huh. necessarily people who I wouldn't, some of them maybe I wouldn't think are that attractive, per se. Like, I don't think Sarah Silverman is attractive at all. What? Really? No, I don't. But I think... I'm just going to have to disagree with you there. Yeah, you're just wrong. Obviously, yeah. So does she, clearly. But that doesn't really matter to me. But I think she's funny. And... Really, to me, that's what's more. And I think she's more interesting in comedy. There's that's a true. lot of really crappy comedians in general, men and women. So it's funny how... It, it, see, do you remember that episode of The Simpsons in which Krusty decides that he's going to quit comedy and then instead becomes kind of a cynical joke teller? Yeah, of course. And there's a whole thing where... Like, Bart, what's going on in here? Oh, it's just... You and Jay Leno washing a clown. <laughs> I remember they because one of the things I remember was how they were kind of. It's interesting the comedians they had there because they had Stephen Wright, Bobcat Goldthwaite, and Janine Garofalo, who were all considered very alternative comics at the time. Right. But if you look back, there's it's interesting how even though they kind of pioneered a lot of certain aspects of it, a lot of the stuff has been caricatured and copied and copied and copied. Like, I think they had something where Gene Garofalo said something like, so I got my period today and Marge spits her water out and shock. And the thing is, that was kind of like, oh, it's a shocking thing. It's kind of like an honest thing. And that's sort of part of it. But now people just sort of get into a lot, a lot of times this sort of disgusting stuff just just to try to shock you. And it's well, not well, really funny inherently. Yeah, though Jean Garofalo actually did a year or two ago see some of her stand-up. She was actually pretty awesome. No, no, I, no I'm, I, saying, I'm saying those guys are all good. I'm yeah. talking about all the copycats. No, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. What she was doing, which is this kind of interesting, honest approach that hadn't really been done before, especially from a female comedian, and how people just sort of turn into a hacky thing. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And like Stephen Wright had this whole his whole deadpan thing, people copy that on her time. Where he does the you know, he can say things that aren't as funny but says it in his way, you know. I think he said something like So I was reading you know, reading the dictionary the other day, it turned out that the zebra did it. It's not really funny per se, but it's the wordplay that's kinda of interesting. Right. Yeah. Actually well if you're gonna talk about um, nerdy female comedians. I'm glad you mentioned Janine Garofalo because she's a she's a very good example, and um, I think you should also add Tina Fey to that list. Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess you have to. Because Tina Fey is also pretty nerdy. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to segue into our next part of the topic, which is the betrayal of women on screen or in books 
comics, video games, and so on. Okay. Because uh, Tina Fey, as the showrunner and the head writer for her show, had a lot of control over how she and other women on her show were portrayed. Yeah. And it's interesting from that perspective to sort of think about what she was trying to do a lot of the times, trying to subvert expectations. Yeah. It seemed like, though I'm not... Though I'm not a huge Thirty Rock person, I, I do think it's a good show. Every time I, I, would, I it would be one of those things. That every time it was on, like I, I, I'd watch it if someone else was watching it, but I didn't watch it on my own. But anyway, it's interesting. It seemed like, and you guys can disagree with me because you guys are probably more, definitely more familiar with the show than I am. Um, but anyway, from her perspective, her portrayal of women was more often like you know more like the neuroses of just different things day to day, and it wasn't necessarily in the sexual context, which is. You know, we could talk about this for hours, but that's that's I think the crux of it. If you can say that there's one issue, um, one main issue that goes across the board with with uh, with portrayal of females in almost any artistic medium, it's that there has to be some sort of romantic or sexual uh, sexual context. Obviously, it hasn't been everything. Plenty of things have subverted it and challenged it. Well, but Rock I, is an example of that. Right? So no, no, no. Very but, early on, you know, there's a whole thing about where. Well, there's a weird like tension between Liz and Jack, who's played by Alec Baldwin. And it's mm-hmm. like, what, what's going on? He's like, listen, it's not going to happen between us. I've been with models and, and princesses. And <laughs> she just mm-hmm. says, all right, get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I- and it's one of those sort of things. I mean, they've talked about it. In case, and like, there was one point where she's like, I don't know who to choose. Why, do, why are you looking? And the one you really want is right here in front of you. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, overly dramatic way to uh, you know take the piss out of her right right but it's I, I, that kind of thing that they did a lot to make fun of how have you ever heard of the show Moonlighting no so I never saw Moonlighting because it took place in the 80s but it's essentially Bruce Willis's claim to fame it's how he became popular it was him and uh, what was her name Sam do you know who, do you know the show I'm talking about yeah it was a show and then they did a movie I think Right. Yes, that's right. Sybil Shepherd was the Sybil, lady, right? and it was a whole thing about it was the will they, won't they, attention that built up, and eventually they did, and people thought it kind of got ruined because without the tension, it wasn't as interesting. Now it's not impossible to have shows. In fact, like there's a show on Castle right now where they're already past that, and so they have to come up with stories about them in a relationship. Which could be more difficult in some ways because it's easier to just sort of push things like, oh, misunderstanding. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I actually I like that because it's it's more difficult, but it is more interesting. And you, there are so many more shows about um, people, you know, who might get into a relationship than like shows about people who are in a relationship. Yeah, X Files is a big thing of that, right? Wasn't that wasn't that the whole? <sighs> but thing that wasn't the point of X Files. That was. <laughs> That was just like a that was a very minor aspect of X Files. We, yeah. we forgot to mention. I mean, I was never like a big X Files fan, but we did forget uh, to mention Agent Skelly. Yeah, we uh, almost never it, mentioned them. It wasn't X- really a big thing for me, so yeah. I didn't really I didn't mention it because X- I didn't really feel like for X- me was that interesting. Yeah, I mean, X Files had its uh, had its moments. I mean, like it wasn't a crappy. I don't think it was like a really crappy show. I think it was more interesting than than, than most. I mean, it went downhill uh, after David Cumbie left, but that's sort of a separate thing. 
kind of right. uh, ate, you know, it kind of became the Aurora Boros, you know, eating itself, eating its own tail in terms of its own mythology. Right. Got, oh, check out Jeremy with the fancy illusions. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like, I think it's uh, pronounced Ouroboros. Oh, it's Greek, whatever it is. But it is the Greek. point is, another way of saying it is that it got up its own ass. <laughs> yeah, right, it did. It did. Just, just like San Francisco did it in South Park. Um. So, so yeah, let's 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 continue with this. So yeah, so talking about talking about the depiction of females. I mean, we could we could get right. into like the the Madonna horror complex, and we could talk about the male gaze and and all of these like um you know feminist concepts that have that have been invented over the years to explain um how women are are looked at. And um, I know Jeremy's familiar with all that stuff. Benji, you might you might not be as familiar with it. Male gaze I probably, is I useful. Some Benji, are you familiar with the male gaze? I've, I've heard of it. What, what is it again? The male gaze is this concept. It has to do usually with filmmaking because it has to do with sort of like a camera. But it, the idea is that the default viewpoint is the male viewpoint. So, okay. for example, when a camera slowly pans up a girl in a sort of way to accentuate her sensuality and make us feel something in particular. Because the truth is, camera movements and the way you shoot things and how fast you move it and the angles, they evince something within you. They, they're trying to get you to feel something, to learn something about the character. By doing something in a certain way, it tells you something. And by using this male gaze, it's, it's putting you as the audience in the form of essentially a heterosexual male. Right. Now, right. Not- and the, the idea is that, you know, being that most directors are male and most movies are made with a male audience in mind, um, knowing that, and this is, this is definitely, you know, something that, that Hollywood producers talk about. You can make a movie for men and women will watch it. But if you make a movie for women, then men won't watch it. So, so most movies are made oriented towards women. And, oriented towards men, I mean, towards a male audience, by men, written by men. Um, and the idea is that the male gaze, you know, it doesn't only apply to, to film. It also applies to just life, just the way that, you know, yeah, that well, men I mean, look that, at the world. That's, that's but it, very... the idea is, that, the idea is, is mainly that, that the male gaze objectifies women, um, and sexualizes them, and, and that this is just sort of like something that, that our culture has taught us to do. And so we do it instinctively. Well, the problem, um, yeah, but, the yeah. problem is, is, is that ahead, is putting is putting that as putting that as 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 an importance in something artistic. Like, like I'm, you know, like I am the last person, like to uh, to to fucking, you know, just just like say like like uh, denounce something for talking for having sexuality. Like I'm I'm very much a proponent of sexuality, <laughs> just in general, being the horn dog <laughs> I am. But like, but but still, like, I mean, if we're gonna talk about it from, I don't want to say objective, but from an artistic point of view, it does. It is annoying to me just how much I see that. And it's like, it's like, it's it's not the oh, issue. Well, no matter what, no matter what, there's going to be some sort of impact. But but uh, you know, from 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 that male gaze or whoever's doing it. But it's like, well, how do you, you know? Why is I, that important to emphasize? Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out, based on what you just said, that there is a difference between objectifying and uh, sexualizing. Right, right, right. Okay. I, I'm, I'm actually talking more about sexualizing, though. Though they're, they're, they do overlap. Because objectifying um, is inherent in its name. You're turning something that is not an object into an object. 
Well, you know what? This actually this actually goes into I want to talk about one particular actress actress who it kind of it 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 it, it I feel like is one of like it's sort of like the the pinnacle of what one of my issues is, and also uh, is some, what some people would say is the pinnacle of the the sexy, interesting female actress, and that's Angelina Jolie. I I don't find her that attractive. I mean, she does have in certain senses has good looks. And I'm not gonna say she's hideous, but that's actually even a separate thing. But she's just one of these actresses. She's in all these movies where she plays, you know, the the badass woman, but it's still very sexualized, but in such an unnecessary way. I find it doesn't like help. You know, they go out like she's in so many movies where like they go out of their way to sexualize her and it's not like they take away power from her in the sense of that she can't do anything they make it so she's one of the most skilled fighters but it, it's it's very i think artistically incoherent and i think it's it it it, it, it bothers me because it's like am i supposed to be paying attention to this well, is it you know is it just you, about sexuality you said a lot of a lot of important things yeah because yeah. Part, seen of the idea, does, but. Uh, part, part of the idea okay. yeah. well we, we can talk about salt in a minute but part part of the whole idea of the of the the male gaze is that it? You mentioned power, and the male gaze is depowering towards women, even if they're like tough and they can like beat people up or whatever. Right. Still, by by objectifying them, you know, we're we're taking away their ability to, um, you know, to be taken seriously on their own as characters. Um, and so, so the fact that Angelina Jolie has all these roles where she ends up being hypersexualized, and she is sexualized in most of most of her roles that I've seen not all of them but in many of them um you know that's that is a a way a feminist will argue it's another way of of limiting women and restricting yeah. them cuz cuz would cuz do we know sorry to cut you off but it's like i feel like a woman in that position who does the things she does is she really going to be that overtly sexual that consistently i feel like women like that mostly don't exist and in fact i don't even think it's i don't even find it like that attractive, so to speak. Anyway, that the uh, uh, that they're acting like that, but it's like, you know, you, you brought up uh, 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 Sarah O'Connor, and one of the reasons she's she's awesome, even when she comes in looking badass, she doesn't, you know, and she blows up that that um in Terminator Two, she 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 like attacks that guy at his house, like the guy who who makes yeah, the uh, yeah yeah I guess spoilers. I know exactly what scene you're talking but, about? But like you know, she looks like a badass when she does it, but but you don't think necessarily. Oh, here's this. Here's this. Uh, here's this. Like sexy woman being bad. She just is in fatigues and is fucking well, shit up. You say that, you know? but uh, no. I think James Cameron definitely thought that. Well, some people. Some people can <laughs> well, be. She is, she is his wife at the um, time. Yeah, or she was his wife. Now, because I will say about about that scene because I know I know what scene you're talking about, Benji. Yeah. Um, I will say this: it's not shot in a way to highlight her sexuality, right. but. To me, as a viewer, I thought it was pretty sexy. Yeah, um, no, 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 but that's that's that's, that's a separate like, that's that's a separate so thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, if but it's it, purpose, it can't yeah. really it well, can't really escape. There's I mean, so much going on in that scene because yeah. the, okay, there's at least four things happening. One of the things that's happening is that it's a, a subversion of the sort of horror type thing where there's people like in a family just hanging around and someone's. You know, there's someone external looking through a glass trying to hurt them, which is a subversion on that. There's also the other way around, which is trying to make her look like like really very competent and cold to contrast with what happens later. Well, it's not just kids. that. It's also a reversal of, of human versus machine, 
where she moves in a very like robotic and efficient way and right. she kind yeah. of looks like that's a terminator right? right yeah right. that's right right no that, you're, de- you're definitely you're definitely right and there is but there's a lot going on in that scene absolutely yeah um so so i i think that's one of the things and 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 i i do think angelina Jolie sort of epitomizes that and, you know same thing when i was also watching charlie's angel well i mean charlie's angels you can't even really compare because it was obviously not made by People who could make things of, of, of with a ton of quality. Well, okay, but, let's be fair here. Drew Barrymore was a producer, but it was also directed by McGee. Who? McGee. just awful, awful director. Uh, right. I'm sorry, but he, if he's out there, Joseph McGinty Nickel. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I don't think you're talented. He yeah. also did a really awful movie last year called This Means War. I think I told you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awful, yeah, yeah, awful yeah. movie with uh, Bane and Captain Kirk. And it was just... Lost. But he also did Terminator Salvation. So there's your connection to Terminator. Ah. Mm. <laughs> I know, right? A yeah. Terminator movie with it... Oh, no, that wasn't Salvation. I was going to say with, a, with an openly sexualized character. But that was actually um, the third Terminator movie. Not the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean Christiana Loken as yeah. a, yeah. a TX or something, I think it's called. Yeah, well, yeah. Charlie's Angels was weird in that it definitely was sexualized, but it was almost like these they were playing it up in some ways. Like they yeah, I mean... Do it. But also, no. it was yeah. also funny... They were trying to be canceled. Sexual is not always bad. I mean, in, I, I don't in, think even in the case of that, like, like, sticking with Terminator, if you look at the Terminator TV show, the Sarah Connor Chronicles... Um, one of the stars of that show was Summer Glau of Firefly, um, who played a female Terminator. And she was sexy, but there was a real purpose to it in the show because it, it played into her complex relationship with a teenage John Connor who was obviously very hormonal and was obviously influenced by her sexuality to the point where she might have been manipulating him. We don't really know, but the show is kind of implying that towards that, um, that she might have had some kind of agenda and, and she was basically like using his hormones against him, him being a teenager. Um, the show didn't last long enough to really answer that question, but it was very intriguing and, and you know, it wasn't, she wasn't just there to like look pretty. Like there was a, there was a point to it. But it was there long enough for a lot of people to write fan fiction about the two of them. <laughs> well, well, I um, bet there was, <laughs> I, I, I guess, I guess no, no pun intended. What I don't like is, obviously, it's it, it's great to have sexuality and it, it can work really well. But I don't like it. No pun intended, thrust upon me. Like I like, you don't I, like I, it, I just no pun I, intended in your face. Right. I don't like it thrust on my face or into my face. Whatever. Like basically, I just like that's that's how I feel uh, in, in general. That uh, like I I can I can tell I feel a lot when it's really like forced like they're forcing this like sexuality because it, it, just as another technique to rope me in pretty much uh-huh. you know what i'm talking about so and and using that and i and i think it is de- degrading too i mean i i don't i don't um you know i i i don't think it serves i don't think it serves anybody really um so once again you know you, you have you can have characters that that have have a uh, sexual elements to them but you know I don't like to thrust on me, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I actually want to go back to something else you said, Benji, about Angelina Jolie being sexy and interesting. And I think it's a very, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not saying this to criticize you, but I think it's a very problematic way that, um, that writers and, and producers look at things where they think that if a woman is sexy, then that automatically makes her interesting. Whereas right. for a man, he has, in order to be interesting, he has to actually be interesting. Right. You know, if there was a, a, a male character who was just like this good looking guy, who was like a block of wood, then, um, you know, people would say, oh, he's boring. Like, why am I watching this? Um, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves accepted. <laughs> but, well, he's he's entertaining in his wood likeness. So that's that's yeah. the thing about him. <laughs> he's no. The thing about Keanu Reeves is that as wooden as he is, he's still charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Somehow. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it, but he is charismatic. Um, yeah. but, but there's yeah, this idea that like, uh, that like male characters have to have, you know, characteristics, character traits to be interesting and female characters, their trait can be that they're attractive and like, that's, that's what makes them interesting. So you have a lot of bland female characters and that's where somebody like Joss Whedon comes in and says, I'm going to have cool female characters who are interesting and distinctive and still sexy, which is still problematic a little bit. That's probably one of one of Whedon's biggest flaws is that he needs to have lots of sexy female characters on his shows. Oh man, it's such a flaw. <laughs> <laughs> what a flaw. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, well, it, it is interesting because because I think that I think that with one thing that that Joss Whedon does is he is um, like uh, I I really shouldn't go way too deep into Joss Whedon himself, but you know he. He does utilize like like camp and, and other things. Like he, he does utilize a lot of ways to hook people in that aren't always the most realistic. So that's that that's part of it. But but once again, I mean it, it still is a breath of fresh air and it's good how he has, you know, uh people you know, I I, I it's still good that he has the characters that they're not at all one dimensional female characters. One so, thing that I want to mention about him, just I don't wanna we could spend the whole co- podcast talking about Joss Whedon. But um, one thing, one thing that I that I really liked is in the Avengers, which is a property that you know Joss Whedon is just coming onto this pre-existing Marvel concept and giving it his own spin. He managed to include the female character of um, the Scarlet Widow or Black Widow. What's Black, it? Widow. Black Widow. Black Widow. Scarlet Johansson. Scarlet Johansson. Black, Black, Black Johansson. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so he has this female character, Black Widow. She doesn't have any superpowers, really. Um, and yet she's, you know, and she's the only female character. She's not the only female character. She's the main female character because they also had, um, what's her name? Maria, uh, Hill. Maria Hill. But Maria Hill was a pretty minor character. But they, he manages to have Scarlett Johansson playing Black Widow. I'm still mixing those up. And, um, and make her one of the central characters of the entire movie, even though she's not, like, super strong and she can't fly and she doesn't have, like, a robotic suit or anything like that. But she is one of the smartest and most effective characters on the team, you know, just by using her smarts and her, you know, her savvy. SMRT, man. That's right, SMRT. Um, and it's and it was cool that he was able to do that, you know. Well, Scarlett, this- Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson, I think, has proven uh, to be a a more than more than a, you know, one or two dimensional um, actress in well, many. I, I never thought that because my first exposure to her, other than North, <laughs> we all have to sign. She was in North. <laughs> I didn't realize that until much later. But yes, 
Wow. Everything is forgettable from the... Wow. Amazing. She was in North. But I know what you're going to say. You're going to see Lost in Translation, right? Yes, but that was. And yeah, really interesting in that. Yeah. And she's, although I sometimes yeah. send other performances not to be as interesting, I tend to blame that on the way people direct her. Like, Woody Allen clearly directed her in the... Nana. Kind of want to bang Scarlett Johansson. Maybe I should make a movie about that. <laughs> right, right, right. Though that's, you know, that's... That's, she, that's Woody Allen. I mean, Woody, hey, but Woody that, Allen that is knows Woody that. Allen. Yeah, he's always he gets, been like that. that. That's that's his aesthetic. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he purposely does that sort of like longing for the woman thing. But that's that, oh, that's his. That's can, his can I just thing. can I just say something in my defense? The reason that I can't remember Scarlet, God damn it, I did it again. The reason I can't remember Black Widow's name <laughs> is because they never mention Black Widow's name in the movie. No, they call her Natasha Romanoff. They never call her Black Widow. That's why I can't remember the name, okay? It's not because I, I, she's not a memorable character. They call her Natasha all the time. Right, because Black Widow is more affiliated with her double agent spy thing where she's working for some kind of enemy, and they didn't have that angle at all in the Avengers. She's just a pure S.H.I.E.L.D. person. Plus, uh-huh. she was already introduced in the Iron Man 2 movie, so there wasn't really any point to having like, that kind of dimension to the character. Right. Well, they couldn't call Regardless, Black Widow after that's, that's why I can't remember her name, because they never mention her name. All right, fair Ever. Enough. Anyway, 